All right, we're going to talk about real stuff now. But all of us pull for an underdog, don't we? I mean, we Americans, we love it. You let a team start winning enough, eventually we can't wait for somebody to beat them, right? It's like you look at the New England Patriots and you think to yourself, man, how they do seven Super Bowl wins, 42-year-old quarterback, I mean, uh, maybe the greatest, you know, football coach in history, and the whole world pulls against New England, New England Patriots. You know why? Because they win all the time, right? Now, there's some of y'all that still love Alabama, which I really don't understand, but I mean, let's face it. The whole world wants Alabama to lose. And I, I look at that and I think, I'm with them. I want them to lose. I want them to lose so badly they're embarrassed I want them to lose. I want some of y'all who are so cocky about it to come in here with some humility. I want them to lose. But you know what? They win all the time. But we always pull for an underdog. Like some of y'all last night at about 7.30, you thought, you know, Tennessee can do this. No, they can't. I mean, seriously. We love a good underdog. Well, in Judges, beginning in chapter 6, maybe the greatest underdog story of all time is a dude by the name of Gideon, all right? Now, Gideon comes from a nowhere town in a tiny, tiny little family, and he's the runt of the family, all right? So Gideon is nobody. I mean, in the scripture, what we find out is that Gideon is truly just absolutely an underdog. The most unlikely of heroes is this dude, right? Now, the story starts off like this, beginning in verse 1 in chapter 6. It says, again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites fled to the mountains where they made hiding places for themselves in caves and in dens. Now, this is the story that starts about Gideon. He's a part of the of the the nation of Israel. And like always throughout the whole Old Testament, the people of Israel are on this roller coaster ride with God. When things are good, they're on top of the mountain and they're praising God. And then all of a sudden, when things get really good, all of a sudden they believe that, that, that they're the good and that starts to decline. And then the roller coaster keeps going. The nation of Israel through all of, of, of the Old Testament is a story about mother may I. Three steps toward God, three steps back. Four steps toward God, two steps back. I mean, and over and over and over. So Gideon, a part of the Israelites, he is in the middle of this where the Midianites, God has handed over the Israelites to the mean, nasty Midianites, and they have come in, come in and they swept everything and they're gone. Now, the story goes on. If you skipped all the way down to verse 10, it says, I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you, you now live, but you have not listened to me. So, all of a sudden, the nation of Israel has this great challenge that comes, and God says, you haven't obeyed me, you haven't walked with me, you haven't trusted me, so I'm going to allow these mean, nasty Midianites to come in, and this is a picture I want you to know through this whole story of the picture of good God and his children, and evil, the Midianites. Good versus evil. But God allows this evil to come in because the good over here has said, God, we can do it without you. And God said, well, I'm going to show you that that's not possible. And so he allows the Midianites to come in. And what does he say down here? I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites. So what I know is they had stopped worshiping God and they had start worshiping Baal. They had start worshiping a false god. I mean, think about it. These are the same people that God leads out of bondage, parts the Red Sea for, provides manna for them, the whole, the whole nine yards, and in the middle of this, they keep running up and down. I'm with God, I'm not with God. I'm with God, I'm not with God. You know what that roller coaster represents? It represents me 
and you. I'm with God some and I'm not with God. I'm with God and I'm not with God. I hit the valley and it's like, God, I need you. And he, he rescues us again. We're on top of the mountain. It's like, look how good I'm doing. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden crash and burn. Right? So Gideon's in the middle of this. In verse 11, it says, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash in the clown of Abiyar. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, Gideon goes on and it's like, Lord, I, I'm not mighty. I'm an underdog. I'm a punk. What are you expecting from me? So he does a couple of things. He takes this, he takes this fleece and he says, God, if this is really you, I'm going to lay it out tonight. And when the dew of the ground hits and I wake up and if that, if, if that fleece, if it's dry, then I'll know it's you. So the Lord does that. The next morning, the, the ground is wet with dew, fleece is dry. And Gideon's like, eh, you know, I guess that could have happened some other way. Tonight, Lord, what we're going to do is we're going to put the fleece out and everything around is dry. But if it's wet, then I'll know it's you. Does the same thing. Yeah, okay, maybe, but mighty king. I mean, I'm a nobody from nowhere. What's the deal? And look at this. I mean, God, nobody could defeat these Midianites. They've been here for seven years. They've stripped of land of everything good. They've robbed everything that was good from our families. And what is the whole point? And then the story over in chapter seven starts getting really interesting. I want you to notice that we need to learn to welcome adversity. If you want to crawl out of underdog status, we got to learn to welcome adversity. Now, I don't mean it's like, oh, I can't wait for things to go wrong. I mean, nobody wants that, right? But I, but I will tell you this, that nothing ever awesome happens apart from some adversity. And nothing good comes without some pain. Anything worthwhile is going to cost us something. This is just the nature of how we are wired. Well, Gideon has been called to lead the Israelites out of the mean, nasty, mighty Midianites. And the fact is, he has no army. He has no status. He has no money. Gideon's got nada, nothing. He's got nothing at all, but he's learning to welcome that. Now, look at what the text says in Judges chapter 6. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels to number, numerous account, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Isn't this what we always do? It's like, everything's good, Lord. I don't really need you. I got things going. I got money in the bank. I got bills paid. Everybody's healthy. And then something goes on and it's like, God, I need you. And we're back on the roller coaster. I mean, honestly, isn't that what you do? Isn't that what your family experiences? This is what I do. I mean, I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I'm supposed to live on the top of the mountain. And I'm telling you, I live a roller coaster as well. But when we learn to look at this and know, if we are attempting to do something for God, there will always be adversity, always. There will always be something in the way. The minute you attempt to obey God, listen to me, it's not for the faint of heart. You can stay an underdog if you want to, but I'll promise you, God's not calling you to live the life of an underdog. God is calling you to live the life of a champion. Why? Because I can't do anything apart from him, but I can do all things in him. So I'm asking, which one do you want to play? Do you want to play the underdog status or do you want to be able to rise above that? The story of Gideon goes on and on. And so eventually Gideon is told, tell you what, just... I'm going to give you a word. 
God says to Gideon, I, I, I know you've got this army now that you've gathered of 32,000 men. And, and he brings together and the Lord says, the odds are too good. That's, you know, let's shrink it a little bit. So Gideon, tell all your boys, if you're still afraid, leave. And 22,000 of them walk away. Now Gideon's down to 10,000 warriors. And God said, yeah, those odds aren't so good. Take all your boys down to the river and let them drink from the river. And the dudes that stick their, their face in the river and drink like dogs, send them home. And the guys that cup the water and drink it from their hands, keep them. So when it's all said and done, now he's down to 300. Would you like to guess how many Midianites there are? 137,000 are in their army. And now he's down to 300 and God says, now we got something going. Now, you'd be afraid too, wouldn't you? I mean, you would feel like an underdog, 137 to, to 300. This doesn't sound good. Well, all of a sudden, God says to Gideon, listen, I know you're still freaked out. So if you're scared to death, over here in chapter seven, he says, go down, take your servant Pura with you and go down amongst the Midianites while they're asleep. I got a word for you. So apparently he is still afraid. So he takes Pura and he goes down into the valley. And when he gets there, they're just behind this rock and these two Midianites come out of their tent. One dude says to the other dude, he said, hey, I couldn't sleep either. I, I had this weird dream. He said, like, what? He said, up on that hill, there was this massive loaf of barley bread. And the loaf, the massive loaf of barley bread rolled down the hill and steamrolled our entire camp and we all died. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had that dream, it, I was smoking a hymnal. Because let's face it, that's just the weirdest thing ever, right? So the other Midianite, rather than being freaked out about it, looks at him and says, dude, we are so toast. They're going to kill us. So about that time, can't you imagine being the servant Pura? That's the word. And Gideon's like, yeah, yeah. So he grabs the servant, and goes up, and he puts all of his boys together, and he says, God has handed us this victory. And they take their swords and their shields and their knives, they're like, yeah! And then in the middle of the night, Gideon says, now, the last word from God, leave your sword, leave your spear, leave your shield, leave your knife, bring no weapon, put them all in a pile, and then we're gonna do something very cool. We're gonna get a torch, a jug, and a horn. Sound good? And 300 of them are thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is not cool. This is just not cool. So what happens here is Gideon says, we're going to break you into three groups, 100 each. Get your torch, hide it with your jug, grab your horn, and know how to holler. Now, if you're from New York, that means shout, all right? But you got to know how to holler. So he gets to the three and he says, now, when I go like three, two, one, you're going to break the jug shine the torch, blow the horn, and then holler. Are you feeling good if you're one of the 300? These, these, these Midianites are well-armed. They are nasty. They're mean. I mean, they're going to mop them up. And they're like, yeah, sure, sure, we're with you. God said it. All right, we, we can't take any more of this. I got to move on, right? So over in James, there's a text that applies here. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Listen, at this moment, do you believe that Gideon and Pura and everybody else, do you believe at this point, they think, man, this is an opportunity to grow. I mean, let's go get killed. This is gonna be awesome. There, I mean, the, there's gonna be blood, a 300 of something. This is gonna be awesome. Let's go die. I mean, do you really think that's what they're fired up to do? No, I mean, they're thinking to themselves, not cool. But Gideon says, but wait a minute, you need to consider it all joy because this obstacle 
that's in front of us, let God have it. We're not an underdog. We're, we're, we're no underdog. One of my favorite stories, y'all know I'm a football fan, right? And, but I mean, clearly, with all due respect to my friend back here, I'm not a Clemson fan. All right? Sorry, bro. I'm so glad you're here, though. I mean, I, I don't pull for any team that wears orange. I just, that's just, well, bless your heart. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's got a right to be wrong. And so, so honestly, going into like the first college playoff game that they're in, they're, they interview Coach Sweeney, who I absolutely love. And, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he, it just seems like one of the nicest guys. I only mailed him a couple of times, super dude. But I mean, they got the mic in his face and it's time for that coach's talk where they don't say anything, but they say a lot, you know? And so he, he, he looks in the, in the mic and in the camera and he says, hey, this team has come together all year long. Or he said it like, hey, this team's come together all year long, right? And, and then he says, and I'll never forget, he looks and says, we ain't no dang underdog. And the whole world said, yeah, you are. And then they went out and proved they weren't. Listen, I, can you imagine Gideon with his 300 guys saying, hey, fellas, look at me. You ain't no dang underdog. God's got this odds just right. 300 of us with him, 137,000 of them without him. We ain't no dang underdog. They took their horn and they took their torch. And they took their jug, split into three, three different 100 men groups. Gideon, three, two, one, break the jug, shine the torch, blow the horn, holler, and 137 Midianites get so confused by the hand of God, they run away and drown themselves in the river. And at that point, Gideon's feeling is like, booyah, calls all the other army and says, cut those bad boys off. We are dealing with it now. And they wiped out the Midianites. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no dang underdog. And listen to me, look at me. Neither are you. You are a blood-bought child of God that, listen, Jesus didn't die for you, get buried for you, or raised from the dead for you, for you to count for nothing. 1 Peter 1, 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith. It's far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith Remain strong through many trials. It'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed around the whole world. Listen to me. Scripture reveals that trials always precede triumph. Always. Do you think it was easy for Gideon to got 300? I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to go fight 137,000 warriors, and I don't even have anything to fight with. And the Lord said, you ain't no underdog. You're my kid. When you decide that you're going to fall underneath my banner and underneath my power, you ain't no underdog. Don't go live like an underdog. Listen to me, friend. I am no more qualified to be the pastor of this church than Winnie the Pooh, but God said, go do it. That's all we need. And you may not have the ability to decide you're going to go change your world, but in the power of Christ who died for you and rose from the grave and conquered Satan for you, you're no underdog. And he hadn't called you to live like an underdog. Because scripture reveals that trials are gonna always precede triumph. Some of you have heard me say before that everything that matters is a matter of the heart. You know, to trust the Lord is a matter of the heart. To, to, to walk away from living the life of an underdog is, is not easy, but it is a matter of the heart. God, I can trust you. 
in the middle of this trial, I can trust you. You're allowing this trial to be in my life for something that matters. You're allowing me to grow through this because scripture reveals that trials always precede triumph. It never is easy. Folks will say to me, Pastor Chuck, I prayed with you and I gave my life to Christ. And then all of a sudden my life just seemed to fall apart. And I would say to you, well, listen to you. Jesus didn't come to keep you out of trouble. He came to walk you victoriously through trouble. I'm so grateful. I've given Jesus every reason in the world to let me remain an underdog. And Jesus came along and said, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna talk with you along every narrow way. And when every trial comes, you can hop on my back and I will walk you through the middle of it. And I will set you down victoriously and I will do a great work in you. But you choose, do you wanna live the life of an underdog or do you wanna live the life of a conqueror? You choose. You say, well, Chuck, I don't really know. That just, I get it. That's that story. That's kind of, you know, that's how it works. No, it's more than a story. Yeah, but the story of Gideon is, is both historical, but it's also significant in your life. Gideon, he was no more qualified to be the, the, the captain of this army than anybody. I mean, no more than you would be. And, and, and he came along with nothing else to support it. And God said, but I've, I'm all you need. I don't, I don't have any idea what the trials you are. I mean, many of you I do, but many of you I have no idea, but I know this, every human in here is dealing with some kind of trial. All of you are. I, how many of you are dealing with something in your life right now that you need God to step into your life? Yeah, and, and the rest of you are going into the trial being a liar because you didn't admit it. Because <laughs> see, scripture is always gonna show that trials precede triumph. I, I wanna ask us, not to just be in a world where we can, we can know and welcome adversity, but I, I want you to accept who you really are. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't, uh, who am I? Well, you know what? I, I remember when I got to Sugar Hill here, uh, my first week in the office, we were $123,000 in a hole. And I thought to myself, Lord, what have you gotten me into? And you know, eight years later, we've gotten rid of, rid of half of our debt, we got money in the bank. We have a AAA credit rating. We're growing and seeing people come to faith in Christ. And you know what? We, we weren't big enough to influence the southern border, but in Christ we did. We weren't big enough to serve public schools around here, but in Christ we were. We're not big enough to be, have a relationship with a public high school and re, see a revival happening in there, but in Christ we are. We can't baptize 120 people a year, but in Christ we do. We can't pack 315 backpacks a week, but in Christ we do. We always hear these things, what you can't do. The question is, are you the one saying, and I can't do it. Because to look in the mirror and say, I'm not good enough to say, God, you can't do this in my life. And God is looking at you saying, you're no underdog. You're a child of the king. Walk like it, talk like it, live like it. You're no underdog. So how, how, did, how did Gideon do this? Well, he, he welcomed adversity. He accepted who he really was. God said, do you remember the text? Hey, you, mighty warrior. And Gideon had to have thought, Who, who's behind me? But listen, God wants to say to you today as he walks through the chairs in this church and as folks watching online, and he, he wants to say, listen to me, mighty warrior. I got a plan for you. You ain't no underdog. You choose me and walk with me. Up, you ain't no underdog. You're a blood-bought child of God. You can do everything in my power. Come walk with me. Friend, listen, you, you ain't no underdog. 
When we introduced Gideon, I mean, nobody pictures him as anything. He's a clearly an underdog. Clearly, he's, he's out of his realm. Clearly, there's no possible way. But you know what he realized? That even though this was true in verse 15, my clan is the weakest of all the clans in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. You know what? He looked in the mirror and thought, I'm a runt. I'm a punk. I can't do a thing. What in the world could I do to change the world? What in the world might I do to change my part of the world? I can't even change my own family. We're just in the middle of a mess. What are we going to do? And God steps in and says, hey, bro, listen, you're a mighty warrior. You ain't no underdog. Watch this. God declares who and what we are by his power, not by what we've done in the past or by present circumstances. You say, well, Chuck, I haven't walked with God. I haven't lived with God. I, if you could only know the person I am, and God says, I don't care. I, I, can, I can take you right where we are and turn you into a mighty warrior. But Chuck, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to. He does. And he knows it all intimately. There's no place you could go to hide from him. There's nothing you could do that you could be secretive before him. And he still says to you, come on, mighty warrior. You ain't no underdog because he is not limited by anything. And yet God declares who and what we are by his power. The key phrase being his but sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are when the winds of this world challenge our faith. Like, who are you exactly? What are you? And how is God going to use you? Well, listen, here's what he says about you. You're his child. He says you're his friend. He says you're justified. You're forgiven. You're no longer condemned. You're more than a conqueror. You are his workmanship created for good works. You are a royal priest declaring good news like a shining star. You are a blood-bought, spirit-filled, heaven-bound, fully equipped warrior with special armor designed to tear down the stronghold of the enemy. Say it with me. I ain't no underdog. Okay, maybe I heard it wrong. I've had a tough week, you know. I mean, these late night Georgia games are killing me. I don't know why we can't just bury somebody at halftime and be done with it. But, but I got to tell you, m my days of living like an underdog are over. Let me tell you something, friend. Your days of living like an underdog need to be over. When you woke up this morning, the son of a living God said, come on, we ain't no underdog. And I don't know why we choose to live that way. I spent most of my adult life looking in the mirror and not liking what I saw. And I tried to overcome it with everything you could imagine. I overcome it with fat jokes and intellect jokes and I just keep looking in the mirror and just thinking, surely at 60, I'd left a bigger mark than this. A friend of mine looked at me a couple of weeks ago and, and she said, Chuck, when, when you start feeling that way, I want you to write down these words, God, colon, Chuck, colon. And I want you to do that about five times. And right above it, I want you to say what you think you really believe about yourself and then write down what you think God says about you. Well, God, I, I'm not qualified to do that. God, I don't have a voice big enough to do that. God, I, I can't accomplish that. God, I could never be a part of something like that. God, you'd never use me to do something like that. And then it's God's turn. Well, Chuck, do you believe that I died for you? Well, yeah, Lord. Do you believe I rose from the grave for you? Yeah, well, yeah, Lord. Do you believe that you can do all things in me? Well, well, yeah, Lord. And I feel like God wants to grab me by the shoulders and maybe grab you by the shoulders and say, you ain't no underdog. 
Stop living like an underdog. You have my power. Live like it. And you say, but I don't think I can do it. Yes, you can. In the power of Jesus the Lord, yes, you can. And if there's any message you could hear from this, this pastor, I want you to hear this. Yes, you can. In the power of Christ, you ain't no underdog. God says to you, you're more than this. You're more than conquerors. Don't live this way. Welcome adversity, accept who you really are, and act with given authority. Before Jesus left to head back to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father, you know what he said? He said, listen, I'm leaving you with all the authority to go into all this world and tell people about me. And when they choose to be my disciple and walk with me, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because I want to make sure they get the whole dose. And then after that, I want you to teach them all the things that I've taught you about me. And when you do that, you ain't no underdog. You are a victor. Friend, listen, act with given authority. God wasn't playing when he gave it to you. But I, I can promise you this, when you act in God's authority, it is always gonna be in humility. And I, I know some of you, if you speak in public long enough like me, there's some of you that's gonna think it's your personal job to humble me. And I'm grateful for y'all. I really am, I, I mean, I'm grateful. But when you choose to walk with Christ, you've already chosen to humble yourself. Because the first thing you had to say is, I can't do it without you. I can't parent without you. I, I can't parent adult kids without you. I can't take care of my aging parents without you. I, I can't do this in my work without you. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then the Lord shakes us enough to say, but you're no underdog. You're my kid. And in my power and in my authority with my life, you can live in humility and power. You say, yeah, well, Chuck, I, I, I don't know. Well, watch this. God's guidance is going to lead us in purity as well. I mean, it, it's not as easy just saying stay humble. It's got to come along with, with purity. You know what the first thing God asked Gideon to do? Before he said, you're going to max out the Midianites, the very first thing that God gave as an action was, I want you to go tear down the idols of your family and your people. Gideon is scared to death. So in the middle of the night, he goes and tears down all those false gods, just like God told him to do. And the next morning, you know what everybody's saying? Where is that boy? It had to be him. And I mean, they're going to get after me. And you know what Midian, you know what Gideon's having to think? These Midianites are going to kill me. But listen, he ain't no underdog. He didn't die from that because he did what God told him to do. When you choose to act in purity, you're saying to God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to live for you. To act in purity, say, God, I want to be more like you. I want to walk with you. There was every reason for Gideon to say, I can't just go do that. If I do that, they're going to hang me. If I do that, I'll never be able to have any friends. If I go do that, my family's going to disgrace me and, and disown me. But he went and did it. And what happened was that level of purity, God said, now we're going to go, you're no underdog. Because see, you don't have to live that way. You can live in obedience. People will say to me all the time, but Chuck, I don't ever hear from God like you say I can. Okay, now watch this. If you're taking notes, here's one, two, and three. Ready? Number one, hush. Just stop talking. Hush. If you'll train your ears and train your heart to hear the voice of God, you will. You say, well, Chuck, I've never done that. Then shut up. Just hush. Number two, listen. 
turn the radio off, turn sports radio off, turn whatever you got off to find some type of silence and quietude and solitude and hear from God. You say, Chuck, do you know how busy I am? I absolutely know how busy you are. You're so busy that you can't afford not to do this. And then let the Lord, number three, direct you so you can obey him. Gideon was no underdog, not because he was mighty. He was no underdog because he was obedient. Gideon didn't get the power because he was strong. Gideon didn't look like a leader, walk like a leader, or talk like a leader. He was just a regular dude. God came along and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use humility, and I'm going to use purity. And through that, you ain't no underdog, Gideon. And in the midst of that, we find that he was successful because the Spirit of God anointed him. Now, I get it. All right, listen. This is a 135-year-old church, all right? And any time a preacher stands in a pulpit like this, or in my case, sits on a platform like this, and says, use the word anointing, people are going, uh-oh. There he goes. Give me another week. We'll be holding, you know, handling snakes and swinging from the chandeliers. All right. Well, first of all, I ain't got any snakes. And number two, we ain't got any chandeliers. But I, I want to promise you this. When God falls on your life because you've been obedient to him, not only are you no underdog, you are anointed with the fresh oil and the power of God himself. Amen. The oil is a representation of the spirit of God that will soak you and saturate you all the way to the core and marrow of your being because God wants to anoint you so that you don't live like an underdog but a victor. And you choose, God, I want that because I want God to anoint me and remove the trash from my life. Now, you might say, well, Chuck, you know how much trash I got? Friend, listen, I got so much trash in my life, you could take a caterpillar front-end loader and operate in my life for the next seven days and not get me clean. I got so much pride, I, I got so much sin, I got so much self in me, you, there's not enough time for you to clean that out in me. You say, well, Chuck, I got any more. Good, then come on. Stop living like an underdog. Choose to act in obedience. Let the Lord God anoint you because you've chosen to do this. And then walk in his power and walk in his glory. Because see, Jesus takes this transforming trash into treasure in all of his ministry. A lady with a, an illness for 12 years fights her way through a crowd with people screaming and cussing at her, and she's, all she wanted to do is take one finger and touch the hem of his garment, totally perf perfectly healed. You know what? Some of us need to let, let just, just slip out and touch the hem of a garment and say, I don't want to live like an underdog anymore. Friend, listen, I, I, I don't want you to live like that because see, God took garbage he took all that filth that was already there that caused the Israelites to have the wrath of God and the Midianites take all that they had. God took all that garbage and he turned it into greatness. And what kind of greatness did he turn it into? Humility and power and trust and faith. And you say, but Chuck, I am an underdog. Every time I look in the mirror, I think I, God's not going to use me. Well, with that attitude, he may not. But I promise you, he wants to. At no point does Jesus ever look at you and say, I made you to be mediocre. So I guess the story for you and for me is this. At what point, at what point are we going to choose that I don't want to live like some stinking underdog? I want to live victoriously. Because see, the first step is just like getting obedience. Jesus says, call on my name and I'll come live inside of you and I'll inhabit your life. 
and I'll give you the gift of my Holy Spirit to live within you. And with that power, I will anoint you with fresh oil. And when I do that and you act in obedience, you ain't no underdog. You are a victor. You ain't no underdog. Friend, listen, Jesus is sick and tired of his believers walking and talking like underdogs. I believe he wants us to walk in victory. I believe he wants to walk out of this building and know, I ain't no underdog. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I ain't no underdog. You say, Chuck, you're just all fired up today. Man, I can't help but get fired up. I can't believe you're not fired up. I can't believe that you're not ready to say, I am the power of Christ. I can do all things. I'm tired of this. So I guess it's your choice. Do you want to call on the name of the Lord or no? Let's pray. For today, there are people sitting in this room and maybe at home online, and they've lived their whole life like an underdog. And Lord, I'm asking you, if you would, as you walk through the chairs here at Sugar Hill or in the homes of folks that are watching online, and Lord, I want to ask you to step into their life, shout or whisper into their ear, you're no underdog. You were designed to be my child, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you just call on my name and I will answer you and I will do great and mighty works in you. And if the desire of your heart today is, man, Chuck, I am in the thick of it, but I I need somebody to carry me through it. I can't do this alone. Friend Gideon couldn't do it alone. I couldn't do it alone. You couldn't do it alone. And that's why we call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, would you step into my life? Would you forgive me all my sin? Jesus, I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me. And I want to turn my life over to you. I want to make a U-turn of my life and I want to give you my life. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart today and you say, man, that's what I want. Maybe you say, Chuck, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but that's what I want. I promise you, the Lord is faithful to give you everything he promised. A home in heaven and victory in this world today. And if you want to call on the name of the Lord today, just do me a favor and raise your hand. I just want to see who you are so I can pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. And folks, friend, if if that's your prayer and you say, Chuck, count me in on that, I promise you the Lord heard you and he called you. You don't have to walk like an underdog anymore. You can walk in victory of the one who saved you. Father, we love you and we praise you. And in your name, we are no underdog. God, I pray we'd walk out of here with humility. I pray we'd walk out of here leaving our trash with you. I pray, Lord, that you would step into our life and that we might, in a mighty way, be obedient, loving, and gracious in your name. And so, Lord, I thank you for these folks who gave their life to you today. And I thank you that they've realized they're no underdog. And I praise you, Lord, that in you we could do all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's sing before we go. Come on, church, let's sing before we go. Come on, church. Come on, church.
Listen, friend, as you walk out of this building today, let the Savior of the world walk before you and make your path clear. And let him straighten out those crooked mess that you've got. That's what he does. Let him go within you and bring a peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because you ain't no underdog. Because he is always good and you are always loved. And man, when this world is beating you up, walk over to this Savior, Jesus. Hop on his back and wrap your arms around his big, strong shoulders and let him carry you, not around your mess. I mean, what victory is it to avoid it? Let him put you on his back and walk you through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears, kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so that you can hear your Savior say, you ain't no underdog. And as he looks at you, he'll say, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.